the makeup person didn't put the makeup on me today. Same, same here. Brush off. I'm shining, I'm shining. Brush on, brush off. <laughs> so Daniel son. <laughs> he's, he's Miyagi. Uh, welcome Welcome to everyone. The, the Sober, Sober Grind. My name is Pej. And my name is Austin. And we're back as always. As with always. a fresh topic in a fresh year. And hopefully it's helpful for you. Fresh. All. We so, so fresh. What are we talking about today, Pesh? A drug is a drug is a drug is a drug. Is a drug? That's right. And why are we talking about it? Well, uh, the progression of how drug use has changed over the last few years, but really not the mentality? Decades. 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 Over the last few decades. That's we also right. have a couple of people. Hey guys, hey Trey. There's Natalia. There's... Hello. What's up, Hello, Nats, everyone. Nats Corona. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. So, yeah, this is going to be our topic today. How, how a drug, drug is a drug change. is a drug is a drug. So if you have any thoughts, if you have any uh, opinions, if you want to share your experience, if you have any questions, or if you just want to let us know where you're watching from, please let us know. Also, share this uh, share this video with with on your wall with everyone uh, so that we can help grow this uh, podcast. That's right. Solange, the handsome man behind the nose doesn't need makeup. I like what I don't she, know if she's talking about me or you. <laughs> she's talking about you. Uh, Trey Sides, gabapentin is a drug. Is a drug. What? A drug? That's right. Gabapentin. Gabapentin can be abused. Justin brings up Kratom. Justin, we're actually going to be doing a, a standalone video after this podcast about Kratom. So keep in touch with Pej. Ask him about that, and we will we'll definitely have that for you. A standalone, all the information you could ask about Kratom Justin, uh, will be you, covered You in already that, so. know what Kratom can do to you. It's, <laughs> it's a drug. I don't care. Yeah, sure. It grows on plants. Don't they all grow on plants? Doesn't everything come from a plant or mm. some kind of soil-based type of growth? I mean, it's, it's all organic. Sure, sure. It Even if it's synthetic, some, it's still started somewhere. Everything comes from something, yeah. That's right. Everything has to come from something. So, let's jump into this topic. Uh, keep saying hello. Uh, tons of interaction right now. That's awesome. Leave your questions, your comments, your thoughts. So, how? what are some of the, the major things that you've seen over the last few decades of how drug use has changed. Let, okay, so I want to give a breakdown of, based off of my experience and what I've seen. So obviously, you know, I'm 47 years old. Um, during my time- Danielle uh, says hello. Hello, Danielle. <laughs> during <clears throat> steroids or drugs, yes, they are. Okay, so based off of my experience and what I've seen over all of the years that I've been alive, um, you know, when everybody learns about drugs in health class, right? Sure. So, so when I was uh, in junior high school, they showed us these videos about PCP, mm -hmm. about you know um, the effects that sniffing glue and sniffing gas and different things can do to you, like huffing. They basically it was they were educationally teaching us about drugs, but you don't really know about drugs till you experiment with them, right? Mm. So during that time when I was growing up in Utah, like we all smoked weed, they called it Christmas tree bud, and we, we did all kinds of different things. So um, I remember that acid was really big mm. as I got into high school, and that was in the, in the uh, late 80s. So people were doing acid, people were doing mushrooms, you know, they're doing the hallucinogens, um, smoking weed, drinking alcohol, and alcohol is a drug, no matter how you look at it. It's a substance. Yeah. It's a drug. Caffeine's one, a drug. Caffeine's a drug. Cocaine's a drug. So mm -hmm. around that time where I was here in California. What's up, James? 
we you know we were experimenting we were doing lots of stuff and then our experimenting became more than that right Mm -hmm. so like we were doing cocaine you know cocaine was like kind of almost like a little bit of a higher class drug not that i was Mm -hmm. high class i came from a middle class family but i hung out with the high class persian kids and we were doing cocaine you know Mm -hmm. so if you drank alcohol and you did cocaine you could stay up for a long time um, at that time, you know, methamphetamines had started to kind of take off. I mean, it was, you know, it was already around speed, um, amphetamines. They were around for many, many years, you know, but for many decades before that time. And I remember the first time I was ever turned on to anything that was like a stimulant like speed, they were called crosstops. They were called whiteies. Mm. And basically, they you took them, they were, they were in a pill form. And you took them and they make you go faster and they make you stay up longer and they make you talk faster. And, mm-hmm. and so um, I w- I've been introduced to that at a very young age. I was introduced to acid at a very young age. So throughout the 80s, you know, there was a lot of different types of drugs. But believe it or not, opiates were not not in my area. I'll, opiates were around. We'd heard about heroin. Mm-hmm. We'd seen heroin. We'd seen, you know, on TV people being heroin addicts in the late 70s. But yeah. there wasn't a lot of heroin going around during that time. In Orange County, yeah, certainly in, not how big it is now. Right, it's in Los Angeles, sure, and, and like the in the metropolitan inner cities, there was a lot of heroin use. But in Orange County, the drug that was really there was meth, mm. straight up meth amphetamines. Mm-hmm. And for a while, it was called biker dope, or it was yeah. called crank. crank. Right, it yeah. was called crank. It was uh, they would call it jet fuel. They would, mm. So, in other words, like just. Based off of the names that it had, it's how it made you feel. You did some, you're up forever. For days and days and days. And back then, like the, the way that people usually did it was they snorted it. And some people would intravenously shoot it, right? So the really hardcore peeps, right? So as time went on, um, I remember that I had tried it. And um, I tried cocaine. I tried meth. And both of them had different effects on me. So like the cocaine, you could never get enough. You want to just keep doing more and more and more, and it would. It was like a stimulant to where, it would. You just felt like you wanted to. Like you were. This is it. I have. I've arrived. I'm ready to conquer the world. Right. Yeah. That was with cocaine. With meth, it was just like, I want to make things. I want to do things. I want to build things. I want to fix things. I want to do this. I want to do that. Right. So for some people that like to go fast, and you know. They, they'll, they'll do meth. So, so I've, I've heard a lot of, uh, sorry to interrupt you here, mm-hmm. um, high-class executives, CEOs, things like that, mm-hmm. um, where where energy is, is kind of the reason that they sure. lead towards some of these mm-hmm. things. Now, I've, I've heard and, um, and seen a lot of cocaine use in that, uh, in that space, but I haven't, heard, I haven't personally heard of a lot of like CEOs and whatnot using meth. Is that there not used, true, used or to be which time, does it kind of lean towards? There's a lot of attorneys I remember in the 80s that were cocaine users. Mm-hmm. They would go to their certain, you know, sociable parties, high-end, high-class, you know, type parties. They would do cocaine. They would mix it with alcohol. They would have a good old-fashioned time. Mm-hmm. When meth hit the, the, the scene, you know, a lot of people were doing it, but it was more of a lower-end thing. Meth was cheaper. Hmm. Meth was the poor man's cocaine, they would say, for a long time. Got it. So and meth was a very... There was a lot of bikers, biker gangs that were distributing meth during that time. And then it was getting into the hands of many different types of people. Meth makes you lose a whole bunch of weight. So a lot of the females that were around us, um, mm-hmm. if if they wanted to stay slim, they were on that methamphetamine diet. Yeah. Trey just said uh, microdosing meth is a thing. 
Mm, that's interesting. I, yeah. We should have Trey on the show sometime. Trey, come on the show. No, seriously, I, I want to have Trey on here. I don't know you, but we, love, you're we welcome to come on. Trey's a, a with solid, an endorsement solid, from solid, Pastor Ed. Solid guy. Yeah, he seems like he knows his stuff. Um, so, oh, I like what James just asked. At what point does drug use go from recreational to addiction? Great so, question. That is a great question. So, I I it's always a slippery slope. I always question like when when an addict says like I was using it recreationally. Yeah. Um, I don't understand that. Like when I think of recreationally, what is, what do you mean? Like just here and there? Like I, it, it's not it's not what I was doing. I was I love the effect that was produced by any kind of substance that I could put into my body, mm-hmm. be it alcohol, drugs, whatever, anything that I could put in my body. I love the effects that produced by it. So when I get when I have it in me. One is never enough, you know, mm-hmm. so I have to keep going and going and going. So when it's, I think when it's a full on addiction is when, when it's becoming a problem, when it's becoming a way of life, when it's, when you can't function without it, when you can't mm. get up in the morning. And for me, like my meth use was basically uh, if I slept, which was few, like rarely would I sleep. Of course, every once in a while the body has to crash, but once I crash and I get back up, it's on and popping. I got to go and do it again and again and again. I'd go to job interviews, methed out, like t- totally on meth, and I would get the job. I'd land the job. I'd say everything they wanted to hear. So, but during that time, again, my I was introduced to heroin on a couple of occasions. So there was mm-hmm. these Mexican gangsters who I was trying to hang out with for certain particular reasons, right? And I remember being in the back of this guy's Regal. It was like this. Uh, down in Santa Ana, and they all thought I was Mexican. So of course, like I had to put on a mask and pretend like I was Mexican. And they they told me in the backseat of this car, um, "You like the chiva?" I say, and I'm like, "Sure." And they said, "Okay, but you want to do some?" And I said, "No." And they said, "Why not?" And I go, "Not today. I don't feel like doing." it. And they said, "Are, are you, what are you like? Are you not proud of your heritage? A true a true Latino needs to smoke his chiva." So I smoked heroin. And I remember that was my first try at heroin. The flavor of it, when it touched my tongue, the taste buds, I was like, wow, no wonder. No wonder this stuff is so addictive, right? So I was trying heroin. Then I got into heroin for a while. Now, during that time, not a lot of people were doing it. And it definitely was a downer. And mixing it with an upper, it just it didn't work well together. Mm-hmm. So I had a short stint with the heroin. I did old school opium from the old country. Point being is, is that I would put anything in my body to try and flip the switch and make me feel different because I did, mm. I was uncomfortable in my own skin. So it was back to meth. Now I quit meth for a while and I remember I was doing ecstasy mm-hmm. and I would go to all the different raves and those were like the designer drugs, the drugs yeah. that, that were happy drugs. They were, you know, I just want to hug everybody and tell everybody I love them drugs, right? And I had stopped doing meth because it was starting to, I felt like, it, like I've called it before, the devil's dandruff. I felt like I was deteriorating and I was snorting it. Now, I put it aside. I wouldn't allow tweakers in my life, no tweakers to come over to the house or anything like that. And I got into, you know, the party scene, the rave scene. I was doing all kinds of uh, ecstasy. I was selling ecstasy. I was mixing ecstasy with acid, with the, which they call it candy flipping. I was... Mm. Uh, doing ecstasy with mushrooms, which they called that hippie flipping. So all the drugs had all their little nicknames and all the terminology that we mm. used for in selling them or doing them. And um, over after a while... Yeah, MDMA. 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 Molly is another one. So Molly's came much... They came, That's more recent, right? They came years later. Okay. Back then, it was MDMA and MDA, right? Mm. So... I didn't realize that MDMA actually has some meth in it, but I didn't care. I was 
still an addict. I was an active addict. I was doing drugs. I thought if I put one drug aside, which I thought the meth was ruining my life, I can still do the other stuff because I can handle myself. So I didn't realize like a drug is a drug is a drug. Mm -hmm. No matter what, if it's affecting me from the head up, I'm not normal. If I'm not normal, I can't function right. If I can't function right, my life is unmanageable. So I, you know, I think because I make the rent, because I'm um, making it from point A to point B safely without any kind of police interaction or without getting jacked for my goods that I'm actually like functioning, right? But meanwhile, I'm falling apart on the inside without even knowing it. And once I created enough wreckage for myself, all the drugs, you know, you could, there was nothing that was manageable, even the weed. You know, for the longest time, I have the same philosophy that I hear a lot of different people talk about. And they say, well, Weed, it's not a bad thing. It's legal now. These days, it's legal. Mm -hmm. Back in our day, when they talked about weed, they said, it's just a plant. It's not. It's harmless. Sure. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do anything. A lot of people said, it's not the gateway drug. A lot of people said, it's the gateway drug. Do I feel it's the gateway drug? In my case, absolutely. It was the gateway. I started with cigarettes. I did some weed. The weed turned into other things. I, I drank alcohol. Then we wanted to get into the hallucinogens. Then we got into the cocaine. At the age of 16, I, we tried freebasing cocaine. Mm -hmm. Not normal. Not normal. But So there's all the different types of drugs I was already doing by the age of 16. By 17, you know, more hallucinogens, more weed, and then all throughout 18 to, you know, all throughout my 20s, it was the party drugs, the designer mm. drugs, the rave drugs, going to the raves and getting, you know, doing ecstasy all weekend, which had a lot of effects on me. Like, it was intense. For the first couple of days, you would just be smooth sailing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm in love but with the But then you world. got it, your body crashes. On, gotta, on Mondays, usually by, by Sundays, you've been up for so long, and yeah. sometimes I'd even do meth in the mix to keep it going. Mm. On Sundays, it was like, need to land the ship. Mondays, mm -hmm. the ship has landed. We are resting. Mm -hmm. On Tuesdays was total depressive day. Mm -hmm. Like, I was suffering from massive amounts of depression, suicidal mm -hmm. ideation. Wow. I wanted to die. I really wanted to die. That's mm -hmm. the way. Um, week after week? It had drained me. It was draining wow. me. But you know what? By Wednesday, the ideas started coming back of, well, the weekend's coming closer. By Thursday, Thursday's Friday, Junior, and by Friday, I'm already loaded. And let's do it all over again. Did it all throughout the 90s. Okay. But at some point or another, I, I remember that I got burned out on that after about a decade of using. And um, I got back into the meth. And then I started getting into some more heroin. And I was doing heroin and meth together. They call that goofballing. Mm -hmm. So, but in, in the very end, my demise, what brought me to my knees was methamphetamines. Mm -hmm. And it basically, what came out of it was... After all the partying and all the selling and all the hanging out with the so-called friends, which were the lower companions, and me becoming a lower companion, it brought me to my knees. And I was a homeless man, living out of my car, and still on the grind, chasing to go and get more meth. Mm. Now, I'll get to why I say a drug is a drug in a sec, but did you have a question you wanted to ask Well, me? yeah. How has, if at all meth use or the types of meth that people are using changed from that's a in very the past up until now so, so you know when i told you that i had quit doing meth um which was the crank i had stopped doing that when i was about 22 years old which would be about 1993 mm -hmm. by 97 1997 i was reintroduced to a different type of meth mm. and that was called glass mm. and it was basically 
it had been cleaned with acetone. You mm-hmm. know, they, they had figured out a way to make it so that instead of doing it up your nose, you could smoke it in a pipe. Mm-hmm. And, gotcha. and uh, so commonly seen in like Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. Got right? it. So we were Breaking Bad before that was even an idea for a television show. Gotcha. And I'll, I'll get to that in a second. I'll tell you why I, I even came up with this topic was mm-hmm. that um, during that time when I was reintroduced to it, I didn't want to do it. I was remember I was anti tweaker guy, but mm-hmm. but because um, I had um, a girlfriend at the time who was getting into it, um, I knew it was a three way road. It was either I was gonna dabble a little bit with her, I was going to. Mm. Now I knew that I had started dabbling already, so I was going to stop and move on, or mm-hmm. I was gonna well, I was gonna stop and try to help her quit, and if she couldn't, then move on. And the third one is if I can't beat him, just join him. Mm-hmm. Right, so and I chose the third one, and the next thing you know, I was engulfed. Now, during that time too, there was this stuff that wasn't that common in California. Although it was produced, it was made in California. It was manufactured in California, and produced and sent out to Hawaii. Mm. That was called ice, ice, okay. which at the time was the highest form of meth that you know we had gotten our hands on. And when you took it out to places like Hawaii, you could sell it and make three times the amount. Oh wow. So uh, I remember that I hadn't yet started using, but when I went to Hawaii with this stuff and distributed it there, I got off the plane, pulled some out of my pants, and it was, this is pre-9-11, right? And I remember opening the package and looking at it and seeing that it didn't look like the crank that I was used to. This stuff was like diamonds. Hmm. Like it, it sparkled. It was shiny. And I remember thinking, wow, it's so pretty. Like I wonder what this would feel like if I used some. How would I have to use it? And this is where my conscience was messing with me. I wonder how many lives I'm ruining out here mm. or will be ruining by bringing this and distributing it here. And sure enough, about four years later, it was a full-on epidemic in Hawaii. Mm. One in eight people was addicted to wow. ice in Hawaii. So, you know, that was something I had to do, uh, work on in my amends process of how do I... And one of the reasons I like to give back so much is because I feel like when I was out there and I was on drugs, I took advantage of people. I, I sold drugs to pregnant women. That's, that's all kinds of wrong. And I, I say that not to show off and say, look at me, I'm a big drug dealer. I say it because I really am remorseful mm-hmm. for the amount of um, you know, evil that I was producing through all of the drugs I was using. Mind you, remember I told you this before, when I was using meth, demons came out of me. Mm. Truly, like I, I yeah. felt evil. I did evil things. I had a different type of mentality. I'm not the, the same. The devil's dandruff. The devil's dandruff, right? Come, like flowing in and through me. Yeah. So I'm not the same guy that I used to be. So the reason that this topic came up is that the other day I went to breakfast with some friends in recovery. One of them was a person who I was actively using with a long time ago. Mm-hmm. He was actually a chef. We would oh. call him a cook. Okay. When I say a chef, I don't mean food. I got it. Yeah. Okay. He used to cook meth for us. Mm-hmm. And he was known to be one of the top cooks mm-hmm. in town. Mm-hmm. To the point where all the gangs would come to me and say, we want to talk to your friend. We want to get his dope. Mm. And so everybody knew who he was. Mind you, at that point, I was on about my fourth uh, police raid. And then it started happening. To where this guy, we, he, we had these houses, these trap houses where we were producing this stuff, cooking this stuff, making this stuff. And then one of the houses got busted one day while he was in it. He was arrested. He was taken away. He went in the path of recovery. That was like 2001. Mm. 
So he was introduced to recovery first, and then I came in 2007, and I got sober. Now, um, he put together some time. He had relapsed. Um, he's back in. He and I went to breakfast the other morning. He's got a little, over a year of sobriety. We Good sat. For him. We sat down with a couple of newcomers, mm-hmm. and um, they were 30 and 40 days sober, right? And it's always interesting for me. Like when I sit with young men and women these days, I like to see like what's their drug of choice. And you know, there's some people they call them human trash cans. Like they'll just mm. put anything in their body. They'll use anything, whatever's on the table, give it to me. It's all it all pertains to me. So when I was talking with these guys, um, I, you know, it's never shocking to me. Mm. On average, when I ask an 18 to 28 year old young man, "What's your drug of choice?" Um, they will say the common thing, heroin, opiates. If they come from any part of this country across America, that's the type of people that are usually in our population. In any treatment center I've worked in Mm. in the last five years, the most common used drug that young men, young adults are addicted to, both male and female, are opiates. Mm. So obviously one of them was from Boston. The other one was from upstate New York. Both of them, one was a, both meth and heroin user. The other one, straight opiates, right? Mm. And it wasn't shocking to hear this, you know. So when I was talking yeah. with these guys, um, we, I just kind of told them a story about us. And, and I talked about, you know, the events that would happen, the things that would happen, the scenarios, all these different things. We were, me and my friend that were in recovery, we were telling our old stories to these guys and then we talked about how you were hanging around with shady people in shady places doing shady things and you could you always had to look over your back and you could never trust anybody and they said that's exactly what we've been doing too mm-hmm. so I, it was in that moment where i thought a drug is a drug is a drug is a drug well, they say it in the program we hear that yeah. quite often like, no matter what a drug is a drug you know however if it's a substance and it affects you from the neck up, whether it's legalized by the FDA or if it's not. It's still a drug. Mm-hmm. It, it can be narcotic and it can be non-narcotic. There are things out there that will affect you from the head up. DMT, you know, morning, morning glory, um, all these. And then those kids, uh, when I was talking to them, although opiate users, the most recent drug that they've been using, fentanyl. Hmm. And that's, you know... It's like it's becoming a common thing. It's some yeah. people are. It's more accessible to some people these days than heroin, and that's that's yeah. amazing to say that. And on top of that, and shocking because it's so powerful. It's so, so powerful dangerous. that overdoses are happening from people just smoking it, just yeah. touching it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I, was just, I was just gonna say. I mean, you, there's there's stories of just touching it and overdosing. Right. It's, right. It's insane. Uh, wanna, we have quite a few comments here. Yeah. Let's get to some of these comments. Okay, so we'll, we were go seeing, up to, um, I, think I think Solange commented. Yeah. These two. Okay. I think that moment that you like the effect produced by anything is when you should realize that you can become addictive. So with that thing said, what she said, I remember that the first time I tried cocaine, mm-hmm. I had already heard, and you remember, there's no internet back then, so I was going based off of what we learned in health class and what we saw on television, mm-hmm. that one time you try cocaine, it's an addictive drug. It is the most addictive. They used to say it's the most addictive drug, because you get it in you, and it makes you feel so euphorically, fantastically fabulous to where you just want to conquer the world, and I remember I was thinking, I remember right before I tried cocaine for the first time and snorted it up my nose, I thought, remember, this is highly addictive, and I did it anyway, and sure enough, it wasn't my last time. 
Mm. We were doing it over and over and over again. By the time we were freebasing it, you couldn't get enough of that stuff. You have to understand when people do crack and when they smoke, you know, when they freebase cocaine, it's never enough. It's a 10 minute high and it captivates you. It, it makes you, it zombifies you. It mm. just makes you a person that, that's, you're like, at one point, you, you're basically just a, a, a mutant walking sure. the earth, right? You're not even like, a, you're not even normal anymore not nothing yeah. about you is normal you're not in your decision making you don't want to eat you're you know you're itchy you're just walking the streets you could be dirty as could be you could look like linus from from you know from peanuts and you yeah, don't even care flies, exactly flies. like that and that's pretty, you, you know what a crackhead looks like right so another thing is is so if you do it again and start craving is when you become new addiction i'm speaking from my point of view but it's just my opinion thank you so okay james says i think we is a gateway drug and if one is addicted and has addictive, if one has addictive predisposition, that's right. Yeah. So absolutely. obviously, uh, when you smoke weed, your body doesn't depend on it like mm-hmm. it would for opiates. Um, but definitely, I think anything can really become mentally addictive. I've always said, like I've told you before, yeah. my mental is attached to my physical. Mm-hmm. If this likes it, this needs it. Mm-hmm. Okay. If this is convinced that it wants more, it's going to keep wanting to make this all feel good. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. It's not just my head that gets high when I get high. Mm-hmm. It's everything. It's all of it. It's euphoria through running through all the pores of my body. Um, Trey says, when I was 17, I felt so much pain for a reason unbeknownst to me that I began seeking anything to relieve that pain. I turned to huffing paint thinner. Okay, I huffed gas, I understand, computer duster, even gasoline and butane. Anything to relieve the pain that was so pervasive within my consciousness. Once I realized that there were people who would sell me other types of ways of relieving that pain, I was off to the races. Weed, alcohol, pills, etc. A drug is a drug as long as it... He's on point. He's totally on board. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. Danielle says here, uh, Vicodin, elephant, elephant tranquilizer is in fentanyl and carfentanyl. So sad. I feel our government is the biggest drug dealer. <laughs> Very well said. Okay, so Lance says, some feel that nicotine and caffeine... Keep the questions and comments coming, everyone. These are great. Some feel that nicotine and caffeine fall into this category. What say? What says you? Lance, when I went to school to become a drug and alcohol counselor, they taught us that nicotine and caffeine both are on the list of drugs. They are. Mm-hmm. They, they do have an effect on you. Obviously, if I don't get my coffee, I'm moody when I get yeah. my coffee in me. I sometimes can become jittery if I do too much. You know. But Not I only that, but both, both nicotine and uh, caffeine have some sort of withdrawal too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, you, if you're drinking, I, this has happened to me. If you've happen, if you if you're pounding coffee all day right. and then you, you take a day off, you get massive headaches. Right. And it just you don't feel the same. It's well, also with with you're exactly right. And when it comes to cigarettes, for example, I speak from my own uh, my own experiences that I started smoking six cigarettes at the age of sixteen, and I quit when I was uh, forty two, mm-hmm. and it was the biggest spot battle ever. I mean. Uh, I it was harder to, to quit than heroin and meth. Mm. Truly, it really was. Like, mm-hmm. and also just the the after effects yeah. uh, coming off of it. How many times? And there was many times I quit smoking cigarettes because I hated it. It was a love hate relationship. I depended on it because yeah. I thought that cigarettes were a stress reliever, mm-hmm. but in reality they increased the stress. They made me more agitated. They made me more angry if I didn't have them. And when I had them, I thought, oh, I get that relief for a few minutes. But the only problem is, is that I'm ruining myself. And believe it or not, a lot of addicts and alcoholics are asthmatic. 
born with asthma, raised with asthma, like intense asthma, and they go towards inhalants, and they actually mm. smoke like for many, many years. I'm one of them. So um, it's definitely hard. I'll give you guys a little secret. I've said it before. I'll say it again. You want to quit smoking cigarettes? There's a book by Alan Carr. It's called The Easy Way to Stop Smoking. Mm. I read it. I got a couple of chapters in. I was done. Wow. I know others that have read it. They haven't quit. It actually encourages you to smoke all throughout reading every single chapter to the end. But <laughs> once I got to chapter two, I, I, yeah. I was like, okay, I know where this is going. So It's a powerful up, endorsement right there. That was really the yeah. hard one to quit. Um, Lance D. Smith, True and Horrible Addiction is Addiction. Um, Pejinbeg. Pejinbeg. <laughs> I have a friend who died from computer dust. I never knew where doing that. Um, didn't win. Apparently, he did that and went to sleep and crashed on the bed facing down. Okay, so computer dust. Yeah, computer dust is like end dust. So that's computer freon. It's uh, oh. like a nitrous oxide. Like huffing. when you mm. when you huff it, you yeah. you go into another world. Mm. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you just become gel, right? And I remember I used to do that, and it was another. As Trey had said that earlier, he said computer dust too. It's um, it's the great escape. Mm -hmm. You basically are. You go into another realm, just temporarily, but you go into another realm where you almost feel like you figure out the universe. Mm. It's really weird. It's like it? hallucinogens? It's somewhat of a hallucinogen, yeah. There's people that drive on it, believe it or wow. not. It, it's nuts. So if you guys ever want to uh, see firsthand experience of, of an actual major addict that ended up going to treatment for that, mm. you can uh, look up Intervention, all of their series. The TV show, there was a girl named Allison. Uh, to me, it's like my favorite episode. To watch Allison go from being this brilliant uh, Boston University uh, student to a full-on end dust addict and just warping her mind. Like, mm. Her brains were just whacked. She was wackadocious to the point where, you know, she she was slurring her words and just doing mumbling, saying all kinds of things. And finally, she ended up getting recovery and stayed sober from what I understand. Um, Og Asmar... Well, I'm glad I was able to get myself away from all this like 25 years ago. First thing I did, drop the friends. Very, that's odd. I, I admire you. I like that. The thing about, um, you know, there's some people when you use drugs, it's a phase. Mm -hmm. There's some people that have more common sense and they don't want to go down a certain path. They realize right off, this is becoming a problem or this, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Some people get it early. Some people get help early. Some people get sober young. Some people don't. Mm -hmm. Some people have a lot of deep-rooted trauma, whether it be sexual trauma, um, death in the family, grieving that they never got past, abuse, verbal, physical, sexual abuse, all these different things. Um, those are the reasons that a lot of people will try to go towards getting that great escape, whatever that may be, however that may be from the drugs that they use. Mm -hmm. We have, uh, we're running a little low on time, but let's try and get through all these questions or as many as we can. Uh, Danielle asks, any good tips on how to retrain the brain? How to retrain the brain? Well, I remember I used to do drugs and read self-help books. Yeah. I used to read a book that said how to quit doing drugs. While high. While high. Mm. At a friend's house. I found it on her shelf. We were both high together. Mm. How do you retrain the brain? First, you have to... I believe that the majority of people that I've seen get sober obviously needed to retrain the brain. A lot of people have this ideology that when somebody goes to treatment, 
they brainwash you there. Hmm. Well, I would say that anybody that uses an excess, uses drugs and alcohol in excess, to the point where they're making very bad decisions and their entire life has become torturous and ugly and people are backing away from them, they're losing their jobs, Mm -hmm. they're losing their lives, their houses, their boyfriends, their girlfriends, their cars, their animals, their kids. I would say that you've got a lot of, like you, you're, not only are your thoughts convoluted, but your, your whole brain chemistry is polluted. Right. Right? So the training and cleaning of a brain is mucho necessary. Right? I mean, it's got to happen. Mm-hmm. So when a person comes to terms with themselves, however that may be, sometimes they get intervened on or they're, they've just come to the end of their road and they want to get that help, mm-hmm. staying coachable and teachable. Mm-hmm. The way you get retrained in your brain is by getting guidance from people that have experience that can show you. Some of them may be in recovery. Some of them are just professionals that know how to work with people in early recovery. But staying the course. Don't leave before the miracle happens. Allow yourself to learn. Recreate yourself. Become the person that you were actually meant to be. Because at the end of the day, all that stuff's a facade. Mm -hmm. Being messed up on drugs, not having a life, not having a future, not having goals, being absent to everything, your family, family relationships, family affairs, all the different things... That's no way to live. So when a person actually becomes coachable and teachable, they then can retrain their brain. That's great. Um, do you want to, I mean, these comments keep coming in. There's 10 more. <laughs> do you want to keep taking them? Uh, unfortunately, a some here. will remain in denial about the truth of substances, alcohol, nicotine, caffeine, creative, ad infinitum. Being defined as drugs because it serves them in some way. The key question is, why am I taking this? Too many lie to themselves about their intentions. They mm. rationalize. Perfectly said. Yeah. Kylan is on point with that. Yeah. they. It's it's believing your own crap. Like just mm-hmm. lying to yourself and yeah, believing your own life. Yeah, we always rationalize. Yeah. Okay. And so yes, I am more than 95% positive that it did damage to my memory and killed portions of God knows what other areas of my brain. Absolutely. Okay. And computer dust was the first thing I got high on. Peer pressure like a malfa. Uh, I justified to myself because it wasn't weed or alcohol, which my parents... Mm-hmm. Struggle. Mm. Okay, cool. And let's see. Um, yep, I'm glad you're still alive. So am I. Okay, so I think that's all the time we have today. Awesome. We're Thank gonna, you. We're, guess what? Today we're going to be recording uh, this video. It's a, a Kratom video. Yes. And Yeah, we, I think it was Trey asked earlier about, uh, about Kratom. Um, so we're going to cover a lot of really good stuff in that. And let me say, we have these videos that we've been doing. They're on, they're, they can be found on YouTube about individual drugs and how they feel. Yeah. So, so we did one for meth. Go ahead. Do you want to speak? Yeah. Yeah. I've been, um, I'm if, hogging the show. You no. Go. No. No. That's the point of this: is to okay. leverage your your wisdom and experience and knowledge. I don't know. Uh, but all of these individual drugs. If you have questions, want to know more info about a specific drug, we're trying to create really helpful pieces of video around all of these. So so far, uh, we've done uh, meth, the devil's dandruff. Uh, we've done uh, heroin, LSD. Uh, we just did fentanyl, so if you check the beginnings treatment page, uh, there's two videos, the, the newest videos on there about fentanyl. 
Uh, we're doing Kratom today. Mm-hmm. Um, there's tons of individual videos on there about uh, marijuana and alcohol and various other opiates and benzos, uh, all these different drugs. So if there's any that you would like us to cover too, please let us know and we'll, we'll try and expedite those as well so we can create really helpful videos on whatever that particular drug or particular aspect about that drug or recovery is. Uh, we're always open to, to recommendations and that's the whole point of this is to create um, the most helpful content as possible. Right. And we want to thank all the people that got involved today and were asking questions and interacting with us. We love when you guys uh, come on and give us your, your opinion or your thoughts or where you've been or your experience. We also would love to have some of you come on the show if you're ever open to it. Send me a private message. I would love to. Trey said ketamine. Yeah, let's do a ketamine. Ketamine. Video. Oh, yeah. I've done some ketamine. Turned into a cat. Went and sat in the corner. Tripped out for a long time. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, we would love to have you guys come on the show, you know, and, and do, you know, some kind of testimonial. Tell about tell us about yourselves, especially yeah. how you got to your recovery and why you have embraced your recovery. We love recovery stories. We love when people get recovered. Um Another thing is that we have the Ask an Addiction Specialist page, which is attached to this one. You can see the link right there in the writings, and, and then you can also go up inside of the little bar on the top of Facebook mm-hmm. and type in Ask an Addiction Specialist. And there is a place where people can come and ask and you know ask questions, ask anything that has to do with addiction. If you have a family member that's suffering, if you have friends that are suffering, if you're suffering, if you have a loved one that's suffering and you don't know how to go about a certain thing, we usually always have... Um, a professional on hand that is ready, readily available to ask, ask, answer questions, and then um, we even have some people that are in the recovery community community that will come on and they'll tell you their experiences too. Absolutely. And, so and keep, what, oh. what what formats is this show found? By the way, this yes. is the sober grind. In case you didn't know the name or you have sober grind, 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 sober grind. Okay. So, uh, yeah, really anywhere that you listen to podcasts uh, in video or audio format. So, of course, we're on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, You can also find us on Google Google Play, Play, iTunes, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube. I said YouTube first. Did you say YouTube? I said YouTube first. But then any of the external like third-party platforms, like I use Podcast Addict on my phone, all of these different podcast aggregators you can uh you can find us on there just search in sober grind you could probably even just google sober grind and we're all over the place instagram instagram we have our own facebook page check out all that stuff. sober grind sober grind sober grind sober grind Danielle, sober grind sober grind you sober grind. for your interactivity today <laughs> i'm on one today and keep, i didn't drink keep the that questions coming or that uh, caffeine if, if we didn't get to it in in this live stream we will certainly answer them afterwards uh and Maybe the next video will do an entire topic on that. So keep them coming. Thanks, all. Sober Grind, out. See how much better it is when we have a good end.